say give him praise. Come on, you can do better than that. Give him praise. Because some of you praise it like you forgot what he did for you. You forgot when he healed you. You've forgotten when he's saved you. You've forgotten when he's delivered you. You've forgotten when he's given you wisdom. Don't forget what he's done. Amen. And don't forget the fact that it's already finished. He's done what's even to come. Amen. The troubles that you don't even see coming have already been dealt with. Say that with me. Say, I have the victory. All is well because of what he's done. Now give him praise for that. Give him praise for that. Hallelujah. Let's, it's a perfect time to grab those communion elements because they represent our thankfulness. They represent our appreciation for what he's already done. If you need communion elements, just raise your hands. Our ushers will be more than happy to uh, serve you one today. But that, but that bread, that wafer represents his body going up on the cross. What you're holding in your hands is the symbols of the finished works of Jesus. You're whole, you're healed, uh, you're restored back into right relationship with God because of this body and this blood. Your sins have been forgiven for what this blood represents. This isn't just a ritual. Uh, this is just, isn't a religious kind of thing. This is you saying, God, I recognize and honor what you've done for me. You're holding in your hands your rest. You're holding in your hands your peace. You don't have to worry or fear because of this body and this blood that went up on that cross for you that day. So, Father, right now, we just thank you in advance that all is well in every area of our lives. We speak grace towards everything not begging you for anything because it's already done. So we're thankful right now. And we set ourselves in agreement with these things. In Jesus' name, you may eat and you may drink. Now say, it is well with my soul. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's what you got to declare. That's what you got to determine. You may be seated. Everything we're going to talk about even today, it, it really boils down to you understanding that it is truly well, thank you, sir, with your soul. Amen? Because according to the Word of God, your spirit has been sealed if you're saved in the house today. How many folks are saved in the house? Amen. Within the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Then the Holy Spirit is sealed. Your spirit's good to go. Now, your body is going to have whatever results that you believe in that soul. And that's why you have to just determine it's well. It's well. I'm at rest. And, and I, I need you to understand today that the enemy is going to do everything he can to attack your assurance, to attack your confirmation, to attack your peace, to attack your rest. And today we're going to talk about how to work around that, overcome it, and make sure that you stay exactly on the side of grace that God wants you. Amen? Amen. So uh, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for uh, another opportunity to minister your word on today. I thank you that today we end up right where you want us to be in your word. We have the understanding that you want us to walk away with, Lord. 
And I thank you for the ability to articulate what you have to say by the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to teach, to impart, uh, to, to guide us to, once again, the truth of grace. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's just give God a hand clap of praise one more time. Welcome. Welcome to World Changers Houston. We're glad that you made it. Are you ready for the word? Amen. Well, I am ready to share what God has for us today. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans 10. We're going to start at verse 9 and uh, go to verse 13. And I want to look at this in the uh, New Living Translation and then we may work our way around. Uh, we're still talking about uh, the fact that we are the righteous. How many righteous people do I have in the room today? Amen. Now, let me ask you a quick question. If you are the righteous, are you also a sinner? How come? Yeah, because I'm righteous. Yes, I know. I know. Who made you righteous? Uh-huh. And if he is the one who made you righteous, can you unmake your righteousness? How come? Somebody said, because I can't. I know that. How come? <laughs> Yeah, if my works didn't earn me righteousness, then my works can't lose me righteousness. Now, this is a quick review of what we've been studying in the Word and looking at. Of course, we're going to look at some of these things again. Somebody asked me, why we, why we go over the same thing? Because we didn't get it all the last time. Amen. Not because we're dumb. It's just the word is so pregnant and it's just so full of stuff that what you'll find is that every time you go back to that scripture, it awakens even more in you. Amen. And, and what's going to happen is as we study this word and, and, and get this crucial um, core or, or, or a crucial word that's going to be a part of our core, this stuff will just be falling off our lips. You'll get to the point, you'll look at these scriptures and these truths will just jump off. And so when the Holy Spirit is then ready to use you uh, to share this with others, you will just have it. Amen. Also, when the Holy Spirit is ready to use you in greater ways, your confidence won't be shaken because you'll know who you are. Amen? Amen. So let's, uh, let's begin in Romans uh, 10, verse 9. And I want to start off with a statement before I read this. Uh, the first statement I want to make to you today is salvation is not the end of the process on earth for a believer. I'll say that again. Salvation is not the end of your process as a believer here on earth. Well, that's very important because if you're like me, salvation has always been the goal to get saved so you don't go to hell and then maintain that salvation. But how many of you guys know as sons and daughters of God, there's more to our story than just that? Because if salvation becomes my one and only goal and maintaining that salvation becomes my work in life thereafter, then how many of you guys know that then God can't use me much more in his kingdom? Why? Because all of my attention is really on me. And I, I want to show you some things today that will hopefully give you assurance that you're good to go, but others are not. How many of you guys want to be like Jesus? How many of you guys believe Jesus was our example? 
Now, now I'm going to ask you that again because I really want you to get this today. How many of you guys believe Jesus was the example of how we as Christians are supposed to live? Yes. Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, a few of y'all didn't raise your hand. Okay, okay, we're going we're gonna to work on that. He was <laughs> the example. Now, if he was our example and you want to be like him, tell me how much time did Jesus spend securing his salvation? Tell me how much time did Jesus spend working on himself? Now, somebody says, but he was Jesus. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. But I thought Christ lived in you. I thought that body and that blood we just drank meant that you are right with God 100%. That all is well in your life. That there is no behavior that you can do that can undo your salvation. So if you are at the set, I thought you were joint heir with Christ. So if you were at the seated with him in heaven, I thought if that was you, then you're good to go. Then if you're good to go and that's you and you're trying to be like him, how much time did he spend working on his salvation? How much time did he spend earning the right to be Jesus? What in the world did he spend those three years doing? Ministering the word. He was assured of his standing with God. And because of that assurance, we've been talking about it, because of that peace that he had, he didn't fear any punishment from God, and that lack of fear freed him up to do what his father wanted him to do. And what I'm trying to get us to see is that we have to move out of that fear and move into the assurance that we are indeed saved, you're safe, you're the righteous, all is well, now there's, now it's time to report for duty. And it's time to live, not just talk about it, but live as Jesus did. And Jesus didn't spend any of his time trying to be saved. He was saved and then became salvation for this world. And so it is with you that you are saved and you carry salvation on the inside of you. Some of y'all like, you don't know if you believe that. Let's just keep going. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and do what? Believe where? Now, is that this heart that pumps blood on the inside of you? What heart is that? What is that referring to? That's your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, because that's what you believe at. And you only say what you believe. So if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, what's the promise? You will be saved. That's a promise. Didn't say if you act perfect. How many of you guys know there are people who just committed sin and then turn around and have an experience with God and believe he's Lord? It didn't say you had to go 10 weeks without sitting and then you're not worthy to be saved. No, it says that in the midst of your mess, in the midst of your failures, if you declare from believing that he is Lord, you'll be saved. And see, we need to spend time meditating on that and getting that in our understanding that if that's what it took to be saved, then why do I think all this excellent behavior is required to stay saved? Excellent behavior didn't get you saved. It was believing on Jesus, who he is, what he represented, which is God's love. It says he was the perfect image of God. It's believing on him. What about him? What he did on that cross. Understand, we don't want to be religious anymore. It's not just believing on just this guy named Jesus. That's, yes, the core of it, but it goes beyond it. It's what that guy who was God in the flesh did. 
that you're believing on. He went up on the cross. He took the punishment for your sins. There was a payment owed because of your sins and he paid for it. So now you no longer have to pay that price because he did it. When you believe in what he did based on who he was, you're saved. Why? Because you now believe the price is paid. That frees you up. I don't owe anybody nothing. I'm free. I'm saved. But there are benefits that also come with that, which is now because I'm saved, I am also the righteous. I am also now a child of God. And this Bible talks about all these benefits other than just the payment being made that come with this salvation. It's peace, it's prosperity, it's healing. It's, it's all these things that come with it that are also now mine, deliverance. Everybody understand what I'm saying? But along with these rights, there are also responsibilities because I have inherited the kingdom from the king. And what we do a lot in church is we get stuck at just our rights for us. And we have yet to fully move into our responsibility because we've been taught and told that our responsibility is to keep working on our rights. That's no longer, that was Jesus' responsibility. His responsibility was to get your rights restored. That was God's plan. To save man, but that was not God's plan for man forever. Jesus' job was to come here, fulfill the law, become the perfect sacrifice, show us how we were supposed to live when he, when he leaves, and then leave physically and send the Holy Spirit to then enable us to continue doing what he did for others. Are you with me? So he came and restored our rights, but then also passed on the responsibility. But we can't get to our responsibility, which is ultimately really walking in your rights, because we're stuck thinking we still don't have a right to our rights. You got to get the tape to hear that again, okay? I mean, to see it, because... But, but you get what I'm saying. And so we go to church every Sunday, we go to church every Wednesday, and some of us, we go to three, four, five different churches uh, just to try to get right what's already right. But God has called you to a church to stand in your right place to walk out your responsibility based on the grace that he's giving you. But you're, you're running around trying to be right when Jesus is like, well, what the heck did I die for? <laughs> you're right. Say that with me. I'm right. I'm right. With, God. with God. All right, I got to get off of verse 9. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 10. For it is by, read that with me, believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Don't add to the scripture. Definitely don't take away what, is it take, what does it take to be right with God. Believe in what? That Jesus made you right. We, we, we ain't got to your works yet. Because if your works get involved, it's going to mess up this whole process. Because your works may be good today and not so good tomorrow. 
Amen? And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Verse 11, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who does what? Anyone who does what? Trust is a part of my belief. See, this is where we talk about when I say, like, if you're still habitually sinning, I got I to wonder if you're really saved. Now, listen to the words I'm saying, habitually. What, that, what does that word mean? Like sin lives with you. It's, a, it's found its habitation with you. I can't have a sin habitation and a God habitation at the same time. Either God lives here or sin lives here. Now, if sin lives here, then I have to stop and back up and say, wait, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and I just don't want, don't have a desire to stop fornicating or stop doing whatever. You need to back up and say, if I am saved, have I made him Lord? Because if I made him Lord, that, that, that desire, I may make a mistake, but that desire should have changed. Meaning this, now you change your desire. Psalms 37, 4 says, delight yourself. You delight yourself in the Lord. But if you don't delight yourself in him, your desires aren't going to change. And I got to say, is he Lord of your life? Are you saved? Doesn't mean, now that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. He loves you. Doesn't mean Jesus didn't die to make you the righteous. He did. But now the choice is yours of whether you're going to follow him. Whether you're according to Romans 12, 2, you're going to allow God to transform your mind whether you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he needs to do. A lot of believers are stuck right there. They say, well, I am saved, but have you made him Lord? If not, you will stay stuck. Not because God doesn't love you. Not because you're not an inheritance of the kingdom of God. You are all of that, but you're just stuck because nobody told you, make a choice. He won't force this choice to live a life following his word he won't force that upon you because then he wouldn't be a gracious God. He would be a authoritarian God, a tyrant making you do what he wants you to do. So you got to make that choice, amen? amen? And that choice all boils down to, do I trust him? Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Anyone who trusts in him will never find themselves outside of him. We studied, uh, was it Galatians 5, 4? What does it take to fall from grace? It means simply just not to trust God and to trust in your own works to make you righteous. Well, if I, it, this scripture backs that up. If I trust in him, I won't fall from grace. I won't be disgraced. But if I trust in me, if I trust in my works, if I trust in anything else, if I trust in uh, the spirit of mammon, which is the spirit that wants to lead me away from uh, the things of God and trust in him, if I trust in that, then yes, I will find myself outside falling away from grace. Because grace is there, I'm over here now. If I'm gonna trust him, if I wanna walk in the salvation, then I gotta stay where grace is and I gotta trust grace. Now, who is grace, by the way? Jesus. How you know that's Jesus? Because you said so. Uh, go, to <laughs> go, go with me real quickly to, and we'll come right back here. Hold your place here. Go to John chapter one, verse one. We'll go to verse four and then we'll skip to verse 14. It's important that we know who Jesus is because we say believe in him. And it's like, who, who is he? John 1, 1, start from verse 1, and then we'll go to, up to verse 4. It says, it should be in the beginning, yeah. The, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 2, 
He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Verse four, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Verse 14, so there's a lot of equalizing at that point. The, uh, verse 14. Y'all got verse 14 back there? <laughs> okay, well, that's one way to do it. Uh, but that's 21. Let's go back to 14. There we go, yes. So, the what? Became what? Okay, so, who are we talking about? Yes, yeah, so the word became human and made his home amongst us, and his home is still amongst us. But now his home is in us. The word became a human and made his home amongst us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Now go to this in the King James Version real quick. Okay, yeah. And the word was made flesh and he did what? Dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He was full of what? Grace. And what? And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that this actually is a poor translation uh, when it says he's full of. When you actually study that word full of grace out uh, and what it actually means, it says he was permeated with grace. And when something's been permeated, it's one thing to have something on that can be taken off. But when something has been permeated, it's, it's gotten on the inside of it. And now it's fused and really become one together. And so that's why I say Jesus didn't just have grace. It, it is a part of him. He is indeed grace and grace is him. And Jesus, who is the word, who is grace, which is the truth. So if I look at Jesus, I look at the word, I can look at God, and all these things are equal. I can look at grace, and I know that's, that equals the truth. So if I'm believing on Jesus, I'm believing on the word. Is that fair to say? If I'm believing on Jesus, that is indeed the truth. Is that fair to say? If I'm believing on Jesus, I'm believing in grace. That is, is that fair to say? So anytime I'm seeing these type of words in the Bible and I start interchanging them, you start really getting more illumination on what the word's actually talking about. Now, y'all know we just came back from the Grace Life Conference, right? So I am trying my hardest <laughs> to stay in this certain area because there's some things I want to say that if I say them, I, I, you can't just say some certain things without teaching it. That's dangerous, amen? But I'm going to throw this one out here at you because <laughs> I really want you to chew on this because we're going to get to this, I'm hoping, in the next uh, few, few sermons. Is this entire thing the word? Or is this entire thing scripture? It's definitely scripture. But if you're not careful, you'll look at certain parts of this as if it's the word for you right now. It is absolutely okay to go back into the old covenant as long as you got 
Paul's eyes on, as long as you got the eyes of grace on, and you're reading it forward that way. But the truth is, you're free. The truth is, you're righteous. The truth is, grace. The truth is, Jesus. And that indeed is the word. And if I go back into all these laws and begin to try to live my life by them or change my thinking by them, I could fall prey to living by the law, thinking I'm living by the word because it was found in the scripture. Now, some people say, oh, you borderline heresy. No, 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 I'm trying to get you to understand what Paul was saying. And that's how the church has gotten off balance. That is, that's how things have gotten mixed up. Let me take this one step further since I'll open this up, and then we're going to get back to Romans. Who was, who, who was the old covenant, as we've studied, written to? Yeah, the Jews or, or you, know, those, you know, the Israelites. How did you and I, in 2019 or whenever you first went to church, how did we even get engaged in that? Religion. Wasn't for us. It was not, and when we say religion, let's, let's be even more specific. Through time, man and, 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 and women in the church overall, just talking over the years, have done their best job to try to interpret this Bible. And so as Revelation came forth, they did their best job putting things out. And there was a certain period in time in Christianity when they said, hey, we, we need to live by all of this right now because they didn't understand grace. So then we were taught, and a lot of that has stuck over the years. Some of it's fallen off, but some of you guys know, especially from different denominations, you know that some of this is still being preached to this day as if you do not live this way, you are going to hell. And I can find that in the scripture, but it's not the word. But see, you've heard so many preachers say the word, the word, the word, you're struggling with what I'm saying right now. You're like, oh man, I was with him up until now and I think he might be about to send me to hell. I, uh, I got a family member that, uh, I got a family member that's been listening uh, to the messages and, 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 and God is unwinding the religion and he brought up, he said an awesome statement uh, a few uh, months ago. He said, I, I, I was hearing what you were saying and it was just not all sitting right and he was thinking that that was him having a check in his spirit but he said, you know what the Holy Spirit told me? He said, it was actually God telling me that my, my believing was wrong, not your words. And he was able to discern and differentiate between that feeling that was happening and he said and so what I decided to do was just sit back and really allow the Holy Spirit to minister to me and then just look at what the word is actually saying and that's what I'm telling you you're going to have to do I, we're not trying to bamboozle you we're not trying to trick you we're trying to help free you and understand you're free in him but you're not free many people are still secretly trying to live their life by some rules and some of us have replaced the Old Testament law with new law. I got to go to church right now. Because if I don't, anytime you say if, you have moved into a law-based system. 
if I do this, then this will happen. That was the law. Grace says, I got it. Because of what Jesus did, period. Grace calls you to move differently. Because you understand you're already free. So you don't have to sweat like a sinner. Sinners sweat because they like, if I don't do this, this ain't going to work. But the righteous rest. Because they know it's already done because of what Jesus did. That's the word. Are you listening to me? See, it's time that we start rightly dividing, here it is, the word of truth. What's the word of truth based off of what we just see, what we see right here in John 1.14? Who's full of grace and truth? Jesus. What's the word about Jesus? Now let's walk through this. Y'all see, you turn this Bible study. I absolutely am. Let's walk through this. What's the word about Jesus? See, some of us don't know. And here's, here's where now studying your word comes into play. How many of you guys know there's a phrase in the Bible called the word of Christ? Anybody? Where's that found? Colossians 3.16. Go there right now. Let me show you the word about Jesus. See, when, when, we, when we leave this place, we're going to have understanding. That's why we say in all that getting, get what? Yeah, it don't make no sense for you just to walk out of here just feeling good, right? I want you to know what you're feeling good about. Colossians 3.16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you what? Richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. This this word about Christ. Who is Christ? Jesus. Was he about grace? What's grace about? Unmerited favor. See, it all equals one another, and that's the word that you're supposed to be secure in and actually going and sharing with others. Go to the, uh, let's look at the New Living Translation and then we'll also look at the Amplified. Are you getting anything out of this? Let the message about Christ in all of its richness, what's the message about Christ to you? Grace. Christ made you righteous, not because you earned it, not because you deserve it, but because how good God is because he loves you. That's the message about Christ. I said, that's the message about Christ. That's the word of Christ. That's the gospel of grace. Anything else, yes, it can lead you to that because that's what the law was designed to do was to show you your sin so you would go to this. The law was never designed to transform you. The law was not supposed to be attractive to you. The law was not even written for you. We injected the law into the church because we thought the law, because it said the law was perfect, it was perfect for who it was written to and perfect to bring us to a point of failure to say, I can't do this anymore. But it was not designed to transform you. The, the New Testament actually calls it the administration, uh, the, yeah, the administration of death. It said the law brings about sin in your life. Why? Because the law tells you what sin actually is. It says, if you don't do this, you're sinning. It's like when you go on the Autobahn in Germany, if you get on there and there's no speed limit, you can just do what? Man, put the pedal to the metal, why? Because there's no law against it. I don't know what wrong is on this because there's nothing posted, there's nothing written saying this is wrong. 
But the moment a speed limit comes up, it now tells you right and wrong. Stay below this, you're right. If you stay below this, you're right. If you go above this, you're wrong. That's what the law was designed to do. It said, if you do this, you're right. If you do that, you're wrong. And what the law, those, those 613 laws were designed to do was designed to show you, I just can't be right. Oh, no, Archie, I, I can, uh, I'm like the rich young ruler. I've, I've, I've kept all these things from my youth. No, 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 the Bible says if you've broken one law, you broke them all with your shrimp dinner, with your ribs on the 4th of July, with the way your hair is cut. Some of us don't even know the 613 laws. But then I'm backing up and saying, if you're not Jewish, it wasn't even written to you in the first place. Now, there are the moral laws that God has given all men that existed before the law was even written. Y'all do know there were people serving God faithfully before there even was a law. What are we going to do about them? Who just, like Abraham, just believed. You want me to tell you something that's going to blow your mind? They weren't even Christians. He didn't die at that point. What are we going to do about them? That's why we got to study our word. Because what's been happen, happening is, is we've been tricked into this religious way of thinking and we're not rightly dividing the word of Christ, the word of truth, the gospel of grace. And still to this day, we find ourselves studying and or teaching things that are slightly inaccurate. And guys, it all boils down to something very simple. Jesus did it all. I am the recipient of that wonderful gift. And there's nothing left for me to do concerning my righteousness or my salvation. Now, what I do is I pick up that gift, I enjoy that gift, but then I also go and share this good news with others. That's the job of a Christian. But it all starts with, will I believe it? See, when you believe this and you make Christ Lord of your life, then you will start allowing the Holy Spirit to be the one who instructs you because you'll realize I didn't earn it. I didn't make this gift. I didn't earn this gift. I definitely do not know how to use it. I don't know how to operate this wonderful gift of grace. Well, when you come to that point, then you will allow the Holy Spirit to be the administrator of grace that he actually is. He was sent to administrate God's grace in your life, to tell you this is how you operate in this. He did that with Jesus. Jesus didn't do anything until the Holy Spirit came up on him. If he was the administrator of grace in Jesus' life, he's shown up as the administrator of grace in your life. And so when we come to that point, of acceptance of the grace of God, acceptance of the word of God, acceptance of the word of Christ, then we will realize that, oh, this was all done by him, so it, it, will, it will need to continue by him. So Holy Spirit, tell me what's next. Now I know how to behave in my marriage. Tell me what's next. Now I know how to walk on my job. Tell me what's next. Now I'll be able to do those witty inventions and ideas because I'm following him. Tell me what's next. Now I'll know how to operate in ministry and do what he tells me to do. Tell me what's next. And that is the life of a believer. 
Let's go back to Romans. What do we stop at? Uh, verse uh, 11. Romans 10, 11. So be careful just looking at all scripture. It is indeed God breathed and it will minister to you, but you got to make sure you're reading it under the right covenant. If you mean, and what I mean by that is with the right understanding that you are in grace and not in law. And it'll bless you. It'll bless you, man. You'll go back and look at certain things. And you'll be like, wow. You'll see grace all throughout the Old Testament portion of the Bible. It says, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Verse 12. Jew and Gentile are the what? So here, here we go under salvation that came from grace. It equalized everyone. There's other scriptures that talks about it's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. I mean, guys, black and white, young and old. Any of these descriptors that we use in everyday language, God doesn't see nothing that way. He says, you're all the same. You're my children and you're righteous. Amen. Employer, employee. There's one version that uses the, 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 the uh, the language of, uh, you know, slave and free, master and slave, th those types of things. And in today's language, we would say, you know, I I'm the leader, you're the follower, or something like that. He said, none of that matters. Class doesn't matter. I've delivered you all. I freed you all. Anybody believe that? Verse 13. Read that with me out loud. Ready? Read. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? So who is this leaving out? I said, who is this leaving out? It says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Y'all remember that woman that was caught in adultery? And that, that, that story in the Bible. And, and if you think about the law, now, the law was still in effect when Jesus was walking the earth. Somebody said, wait a minute, I thought when Jesus came, he came to fulfill the law. He was in the process of fulfilling it, and it wasn't fulfilled until he died. I got other news for you. The New Testament doesn't start at Matthew. It doesn't start at the birth of Jesus. Because the Bible clearly says that for the, the, the new law, uh, for the new law, which is the law of grace, uh, the gospel of grace, to begin, that the, the, the testator, Jesus, had to die. So the new covenant doesn't believe until his blood was, I mean, it doesn't begin until his blood was actually shed. So you even have to be kind of careful about how you're reading Matthew through John. Because again, we've been taught that's the gospel. It contains the gospel because it contains Jesus. But remember, he had two different ministries. Jesus was walking the earth to show us what was to come about grace, but he was currently fulfilling the law. So there were certain things he had to say a certain way and certain things he had to do a certain way. And, and, and in this one particular uh, story in the Bible, uh, Jesus was literally uh, in this certain village and these uh, teachers, it said, some Pharisees, which are like religious ministers, they had pulled this lady out who was in the act of adultery. Anybody heard this story before? Said, so pulled her out. To, somebody find that for me real quick because I forgot where it's at. But she, they pulled her out in the act of adultery. Now somebody says, well, what's the big deal? I know this story. Well, according to the law, which was still in effect, what was supposed to happen to her? They were supposed to stone her. But, but how many guys ever read that law? It's not just her. 
It said the man, it said both of them. Now follow me on this. It said both of them, the man and the woman are supposed to be stoned if they're caught in adultery. And they caught this woman in adultery and they brought her out. Now if you caught in the act, you can picture that on your own and they brought her out as she was. And they said, now Jesus, what do we do with her? And at the end of the day, what Jesus said was, if you don't have sin in your life, because he couldn't say, just let her go. Because if he said, just let her go, he'd have been breaking the law. And that would have killed his ministry as Jesus. But he literally said, if any of you have sin, if any of you are without fault, you throw the first stone. And it says the older guys left first, and as Dr. Dollar explains it, because they have more sense than the younger ones. You know, you're young and full of fire, you think you're good to go. But, but, they, but they, they realized that, I know what I don't did, you know, and so they walked off. Because remember, nobody can fulfill the law, no matter how good you are. It doesn't matter you're a teacher, it doesn't matter you're a Pharisee, it doesn't matter you're a leader. They quickly understood, I, shoot, uh, y'all don't need to know what I did. And they walked off and then it said the younger ones left too. And then, then the lady looked up and then Jesus said, where are your accusers? John 8. Okay, uh, let's go there real quick. Oh, shoot, we're in there. John 8 what? Four. Is it literally like the next scripture? Oh, oh y'all put it up. Oh, see y'all off the chain. All right. As he was speaking, who came? The teachers of the religious law. See, that's important. See, if you know how to rightly divide the word of truth, and now that I just told you about the word versus scripture, you can go back and start reading stuff, and it'll jump off the page at you. The law was coming to accuse somebody, but grace showed up. God dog it. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. As, as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, these important people, brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of, they put her on blast in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, but they wouldn't follow him. That's, but that's what, that's what religious people do. Pastor, ain't you pastor? <laughs> Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman, what they didn't realize was at that moment they just revealed that they were sinning because they didn't even bring the man. So they had just broken the law. But, 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 but Jesus already knew that. This woman, we are sinners, was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to Stoner, what do you say? Let me show you what Grace says about you. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And I ain't got nothing fancy to talk about what he wrote there. I don't know what he wrote there, but I know what happened after that. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned, never sinned, throw the first stone. I got to imagine they were there with the stones waiting to unleash on his woman. But, but, but I believe some of them who knew the law realized we didn't even bring the man. We've already broken the law. We've, we're sinning in this moment. We're in the act of sinning. Verse 9. 
Then he, oh, sorry, verse eight. Then he uh, stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. Y'all jokers need to get it together. No, I don't know what he said. <laughs> verse nine, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the Otis, until only Jesus, the one without sin, the perfect sacrifice, your priest, who is grace, who is the word, who is the truth, he's the only one standing there with you in the fire. He's the only one standing there with you when they're trying to accuse you. He's the only one. You got grace on your side. He, he was the only one. He was left in the middle of the crowd. It's you and him with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? That's the question you need to ask yourself today. I'm the righteousness of God. Where are my accusers? I'm the righteousness of God. I am not an alcoholic. I am not a sinner. I am not uh, somebody trapped in, in a, a, a fornication. I, am, I, I, I don't have an accuser because I am the righteous of God. But, but you don't know what, what you just did. I'm the righteousness of God. And if you begin to change your belief on that, your behavior will follow. He says, didn't even one of them condemn you? There's no condemnation to those who are what? In Christ. No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. This was a shadow of things to come. He was, this is literally grace in action. And then he told her, now it's your choice. You go and sin no more. You're forgiven by grace and now it's your choice. But this is what messes up people's religion. Had she made a mistake again, grace was still going to be right there. Because that's what grace does. Grace doesn't give you a one-time get-out-of-jail-free card. That's monopoly. Literally, grace says you're forgiven. Now, we expect that you should mature and not be falling into somebody's bed over and over and over and over again. There should be a place of maturity that I say, Lord, I trust you enough that you will bring my mate and I'm going to do this your way and that's going to be enough. And that should happen. So I'm not preaching sin, sin, sin. But I am saying, according to the word of God, what is it, First uh, John 2, 1, it, it literally says, don't sin, but if you do, you've got to navigate with the Father. That's what's happening right here. Because some people will read that, go and sin no more, and because that religious residue is still on their minds, they'll say that was, he gave her a chance. Because what they're really saying is the next time, he would have he got her. That's not, what, that's not what the Bible says. He told her, go and sin no more. Now, there's something else I want you guys to see in there, that grace is an equalizer. See, I need you to know that you're the righteousness of God, and I need you to know that ain't nobody better than you. I ain't better than you. The position I hold as the pastor doesn't make me better than you. I am a congregant called out of the congregation to minister to the congregation. That's it. And I am walking in the grace that God has given me. Pastor Melissa is walking in the grace God has given her, and this is our part you got a part that's just as important as ours. My responsibility is to get you positioned and, and prepared for that part. But I am no better than you. Grace equalizes all. The Pharisee was not better than the woman caught in sin. The teacher was not better than the woman caught in sin. 
even though they left the man wherever he was at because you can't commit adultery by yourself. The men who accused her, they, the men, because back then in, under the law, the men were supposedly better than the women. The, the men were no better than the women who was not just a woman, but a woman caught in a nasty sin. Ain't nobody better than you. And don't you walk around and allow inferiority to try to get a hold of you and make you think you're not the righteous of God and that God can't use you because you ain't did this before, you ain't did that before, you ain't got this much money, or this, you didn't go to this school. No, 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 no. You have no accusers and you've been equalized with everyone. But the devil does not want you to believe that. He don't even want you to know about this. And that's why he spends so much time trying to get you running around and everywhere and everything, being confused, not knowing the truth about who you are. You are the righteousness of God. But I need you to see, this was not because the woman did right. It's actually the opposite. She was caught 100% red-handed wrong. But yet she was, I dare say, exalted in a way, promoted in a way. Somebody like, be careful. No, I got to be what it is. She wasn't brought to a lower place. Now she had to come to a lower place on her inside, humbled herself so she wouldn't go and do this no more. But literally, she was caught in the lowest place. And he brought her up and said, ain't nobody better than you. Because sin is not a problem for me. We need to start receiving that, that sin is not a problem from God because as soon as you can receive that, you can receive your forgiveness because you're receiving your position and now you'll be empowered to actually go and do it no more. Amen. But you're trying to go and do it no more so you can qualify what he's giving you for free. Yeah. No, 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 no. Sin is not a problem with God because Jesus paid the price for your sin. I'm going to say that again. Sin is not a problem for God because Jesus paid the price for your sin. How many married couples I got in the room today? Want to change your marriage? Understand, sin is not a problem with God because as soon as you understand that, then you will stop letting it be a problem with you when your mate... Your spouse don't do what you want them to do. Don't talk to you the way you think they should talk to you. Don't act the way you think they should act. I'm not saying stay in abuse. Do not misquote me on what I'm saying. I'm talking about that other normal stuff that you don't know is normal because you don't talk to nobody about what's going on with you. Well, they, they, they don't say good morning to me. Well, maybe it ain't good morning for them. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> But, but, you know, we, we, don't, we don't start going after one another because when I look at Melissa, grace just keeps coming up. And, I, and I'm, I'm not perfect in this, man, anyways. I don't misquote what I'm about to say. But what keeps coming up, and even when I miss it, it comes up after, and I got to go apologize. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, you're, you're dealing with my daughter like she's a sinner. You're dealing with her like, like she's done wrong. She's the righteous. She can do no wrong. He said, you looking at her with your eyes and you ain't looking at her with mine. Yeah. Right. 
You want a grace-based marriage? He can do no wrong. She can do no wrong. Some, you know, older people eventually get this. They just, you be you, I'm gonna be me, and I'm fine. Not a good example, but it's like Harlem Knight, Red Fox, and an old girl sitting over there talking about their orange juice. <laughs> now some of y'all gotta go and Google Harlem Nights and watch it on Netflix. But they just, it's just, it's just, you know what? I ain't about to waste no more time trying to change you and da 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 da. Why? Because here's the bottom line. Christ is on the inside of you and the Holy Spirit is the only one that can transform you. So why don't I stop reminding you of all the sin you're doing, therefore making you self-conscious and sin-conscious, therefore making you insecure, and why don't I just start seeing you the way God sees you? I'm just going to see you through the eyes of grace. I'm just going to speak the word over you, and then when you get in one of your things, I'm going to go watch a movie or go do something and then give you over to your father who is God anyway. But... But man, if, if you want to be in self-effort and you want to get up there and try to make somebody treat you right, not realizing that they're acting that way because they got brokenness in their life that you're not going to be able to fix, by the way. Stop torturing yourself trying to fix it. Only God, Jesus is the healer. Romans 12, 2, God is the one who transforms us. Point them to him, and that's not by slapping them over the head with a Bible <laughs> or writing a bunch of scriptures on a, on a mirror. Just literally go to God and say, I thank you that their lives are transformed and leave it at that. I'm, again, I'm not saying you sit up there and let somebody go upside your head and this, that, and the other and all that stuff. Bible, we, we, we read about that on, on our Wednesday night messages and when Paul was talking, hey, if somebody, if he don't want to dwell with you, if he's not delighted or pleased to dwell with you, then you have the right to say deuces. Oh, God hates divorce. Well, God does hate divorce, but he loves you more. Don't let that be an excuse to get physically hurt or to allow your children to be hurt or physically, you know, all that type of stuff, don't come talk to us. We'll, we'll help you walk through that because you need to follow the Holy Spirit, but don't mis misinterpret what I'm saying. But for 99% of us, that's not the case. It's just years of just not understanding that we're the children of God. We're the righteousness of God. We're all in the process. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work on the inside of us. Are y'all hot or is it just me? Yeah, yeah. so y'all do something about it. We have these expensive air conditioners, turn them on. <laughs> I'm sweating, I see people fanning, and I ain't having no hot flash, so help me. <laughs> Amen. Some of my ladies, y'all don't do them like this. Amen. Uh, so, what was I talking about? <laughs> yeah, Grace Bay's marriage, yes, yes. So, so you got to see that this, this whole thing has been equalized. And if we begin to see husband and wife the way God sees each other, if we begin to see uh, parent and child the way God sees each other, employer and employee, it, it, it permeates into every part of your life. And it changes the way you operate. And now you can spread the love of God from the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you to all of these folks that may be having a bad day. Amen. Why? Because I see them the way God sees them. And all of a sudden, compassion comes up on me. 
That's what happened with Jesus. He saw we were having a bad life. <laughs> a bad, humankind was having a bad forever. And he said, I'm not going to look at what they're doing out of compassion, out of love. I'm just going to see them as right. And then I'm going to go and do something about it. I'm going to go and spread my life, spread my love. I'm going to go and become their sacrifice. Why? Because I love them. And in doing so, he made us right. Want to make your household right? Love it. Sacrifice your will. Commit it to what, what is God telling you to do? You mad because she ain't cooking, you cook. I received that. I got the look. Y'all didn't see it, but I got it. <laughs> you change the diaper. You, 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 you cut the grass. You take out the trash. Ooh, the ladies didn't say nothing on that. You see that? They was fine with the cooking. Hey, man. You, you take out the trash. That is man's work. <laughs> no, we, we, we equal, ain't we? Now, equalness doesn't mean sameness. You know, we got to be careful of that, that thing that tries to get in there. No, let women be women, let men be men. But man, we sure can help one another. And that's, that's what I saw when I looked at the scripture. I said, and, and the enemy is working overtime trying to get people to continue to look at things through these selfish lenses, not realizing that God has saved us all through Jesus. And there's a peace that comes upon you when you can understand that and receive it. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Let's go to um, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. We're going to go up to verse uh, 30. Uh, 30. So here's what you got to do. You're going to have to make a choice today to rest. Everybody say rest. Amen. It says, then Jesus said, come unto me, or come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find what? Rest for your what? What's your soul? Your mind. Amen. Verse 30, uh, is it? Yeah, verse 30. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is what? Now, let's go back and read this with some understanding. Verse uh, 28. Jesus is the word, right? The word is grace, right? The word is truth, right? That indeed is the word of Christ, right? Then Jesus said, come unto who? Me, the word, the truth, the gospel of grace. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, you're tired of working, trying to work out your own salvation, trying to work and fulfill the law so that you can be right. He says, come to the truth. Because in the truth, in the word, which is grace, you're going to find rest. Let's keep reading. Take graces, the word, truths, rest upon, yoke upon you. What's the work of grace? To believe in what Jesus did, 
That's not too hard, is it? But man, if you got to fix your problem, make you righteous, that's hard. And that's what the body is still trying to do. We're trying to take on the work that says, you're trying to take on Jesus' work. His work was to make you right, and you're trying to make yourself right. He said, that's going to be hard. I need you to take on my yoke, which was the yoke that made you right. And we read over, uh, what was it, in Colossians 3.16, what you're supposed to do with that, tell others about it. But it says nothing about fixing you. He says, I already fixed you. And you need to take that fact on and believe in grace. He says, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Like I said, as Christians, we have lived our entire life trying to figure out how to be saved and stay saved. And you don't realize it, but you're working, 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 working in your mind nonstop trying to be right, trying to give enough, trying to attend church enough, trying to serve enough, trying to behave perfect as a spouse and as a, as a, uh, as a husband and as a wife, as a parent, as a child, uh, as an employer, as an employee. We, we, we've, we've, we've brought down Christianity to this thing of trying to live right. That's not, go back, that's, that's not rest. And it's no coincidence that he's, he's being very specific. Rest in your soul in your mind, and your will, and your emotions. It can only be found in him, who is the word, who is grace, who is the truth. Verse 30. He says, for my yoke is easy to bear, because all you're doing is believing. And the burden I give you is light. He says over and over again, believe, 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 believe. That's easy, that's light, believe. But trying to do everything? How many guys have been stuck in that in the past? Just trying to do everything? That's not, how, how easy is that? It's exhausting. How many of you guys have gone to at least one church in your life? Raise your hand. Raise it high. This is not to embarrass you, but I want, I want to show you something. One, at least one church in your life. Raise your hand. Keep it, keep it up. Two churches. Just in your life. Three churches. Look around. Four churches. Five churches. Some, some of us there. Six. Seven. <laughs> Eight, nine, ten, and we could probably keep going. All just trying to be right. That's exhausting. I'm so glad I found finally one place that's going to teach me the truth so that I can finally rest. And I'm not resting in me. I'm resting in Jesus. We're going to get into this a little deeper, but my Sabbath is not a day, it's a person. I, I take rest because of what Jesus did. That's what that's really all about. All the work has been done, now you rest. It's not a Sunday, it's not a Saturday. I'm resting because that's the work he gave me to do. He gave me the work to rest. So I'm working to rest. You got to get to the point that you're laboring to rest. Where's the rest happen at? In my mind. Now, don't, don't get this twisted. He didn't say get lazy and don't do nothing. You do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. But you got to find rest in your mind. Some of y'all, just, you, you, it's just so ingrained in you that you're just working, 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 working. And, and, and if you're working trying to stay right, then you'll never be able to work to try to help others become right. 
And that's what Jesus did. So I need you to choose today to receive and believe that you are righteous. I need you to choose today to understand that because of what Jesus has done, there are no more accusers that have effect in your life. I need you to understand today that no one is better than you because of what Jesus did. I need you to understand today that there is a place of rest that Jesus has instructed you to go. And now you just got to make up your mind whether you're going to obey him or not. Today, I declare rest over you and your entire household. I declare that you experience what it really means for all to be well in your house. I declare that you have the peace of Jesus that's assuring you in your mind that you are the righteousness of God and you don't have to fear anything from God. I declare that you finally discover what it truly means to be a Christian and to enjoy the peace, the righteousness, the, the, the salvation that has come from what God has done through Jesus. Father God, we just lift our hands in this place right now. And we receive all of who you are and all of what you've done. And we make a decision today to be thankful and let our thanksgiving be a sign of our rest. Let our thanksgiving be a sign of our belief that what you did through Jesus was and is and will be enough. We believe that on today. And we receive that on today. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Were you blessed? Uh, did you get anything out of that today? Amen. So we are going to just continue to trust God. We're going to trust God with our giving. We're going to trust God with our living. We're going to trust God uh, with our marriage. We're going to trust God with everything concerning us. Because he's already worked it out. Amen? Amen. Well, guys, I'm excited for where we're at. I'm excited for where we're going. But I'm even more excited. Go ahead and begin to prepare your giving while I'm talking. Uh, but if you need to offer an envelope, let's just get it to you. They'll pop up on the screen if you want to give by text. But I'm excited because we're getting it. Some of us have been talking and we talk after service and everything like that. We're getting this and it's getting me more excited because now we're getting closer to now taking this out to these streets. We're going to be grace in the streets, guys. I said, we're going to be grace in the streets, guys. We're going to take the city of Houston and the metro areas and San Antonio, and Dallas, and Arlington, and Austin, Beaumont, where else, whatever I'm missing, Fredericksburg, or whatever that is. And we, we, we will take them all by the gospel of grace. Because there's too many folk that are dying and hurting and lost out there who 
are still, and I'm talking about Christians who are struggling to receive this. Usher, you may serve the people. And so I need you to, I need you to understand that that's what this is all about. It's for you to be good to go, but it's also for us to get out there and be as Jesus would like it. And, and don't be surprised, don't, don't be afraid, don't be weirded out by, by some people who would then try to come against this revelation that's flowing in this city now. That's, that's the job of the enemy. If they're not talking about you, you ain't saying nothing. Amen. Oh, you know, but when when we gonna fill up from water wall? Oh, when the lost is brought in. That's the lost. Look, look to your left and right. That's the lost chair. That's that's that ought to be your goal to fill your role with the lost. Amen. Y'all got real quiet on that. I am not employing some special marketing plan to try to. When we gonna go on the radio? When when, when you are the radio. We're going to put this on TV. That some people don't know there's a church here. That ought to be a testament to your mouth, not to ours. Did you know 80% of church growth happens by word of mouth? Not by commercials. Not by big neon signs out in the front. No, that money needs to go to the gospel of grace being ministered to those people. We, it's time now to fill up this place with the lost. Fill up these, for this place with people who don't know this gospel of grace and to watch what he does. So that's your challenge. Say, my goal, some of y'all are like, I'm not about to say it because I'm not going to commit to this in the church. <laughs> my goal is to fill my role. Hmm? That's your goal. You fill, that's your role. You sit there every week, don't you? Your name, I'm going to put your name on. That's your role. <laughs> No, this is your church. Amen? And that ought to be your goal. Some of y'all about to move the roles with everybody else on it. Right? Only got two people. Got it. No, but let's fill this place up now with people who are hungry, with people who are, as that scripture was saying, heavy laden, who are trying to do it on their own. And bring them from all around. Bring them from all around. Because we're going to have to use some of them to start the church in your area. So bring them from where you from. Y'all ride together, you do what you got to do, whatever like that. And y'all come on now and let's, and let's watch what God does. Not because we're looking for numbers. I can't care. We can stay just like this. If it was just up to me, because I like y'all. Amen? We, we know y'all now. We, we This family right here. Amen? but we got we to open up the doors and receive new family now. And that's only going to happen when we choose that this is important enough for the world who is outside of those doors. Y'all like you say this every week because it's important every day. This is what being a Christian is all about. You ain't, you're not, you'll never go from this place and say, man, we don't ever talk about outreach. You know, we put the outreach at the end of everything and it's actually supposed to be the beginning for a Christian. Ain't that the last thing Jesus told us to do? He said, go and do what? Preach the gospel. To who? Every creature. And that's what we're doing, amen? Um, 
I, I, I like something that we heard at the uh, Grace Life Conference. Um, I forgot which preacher it was, but they said, uh, I think it was uh, Gregory Dickow, said that Oral Roberts was at their church and they were about to pray over the offering. And you know, we, 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 yeah, with grace, it's, it's done, it's finished. You're not giving to be blessed, you're already blessed. Amen? Amen? And Oral Roberts told Gregory Dickow, he said, uh, Brother Oral, will you pray over the offering? And he said, Oral Roberts about 80 something by the end. He said, why? <laughs> he said, well, you know, that's, that's what we do. And he said, no, the seed will take care of itself. And I said, God, no, there's a revelation in that. The seed has all that it needs within it to grow. Your prayer ain't changing your blessing. Are you saying not to pray? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, don't think that your prayer is an abracadabra or some incantation that's going to strengthen your offering. Your offering is strong. Your seed is strong. Your seed is complete. That's what we do. We declare what it is. So, Father, our seed is complete. Our seed is strong. And we thank you in advance for the harvest. It is finished. It is done in Jesus' name. That's how you pray a grace-based prayer over your seed. See, we're just going, in every area of our Christian walk, we're just going to keep peeling back all the little religion so that, that we can just fully be illuminated. And, and watch what begins to happen in your life because this will begin to build up your faith even more. And watch the results that starts coming because you're not trying to, be careful, uh, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, but you're not trying to uh, manipulate God indirectly to perform on your behalf. We didn't know that's what we were doing, but that's actually what it was. If you do this and then God will do this, he's already done it. So now you're in a posture just to say, thank you, dad. Thank you, dad. I'm going to do this because it's what your word says. Mature believers do. But I thank you for the result of it in Jesus' name. And that's it. So, Father, we just receive all that you have given us on today from this word and just in our lives. And Father, right now, we lift up anyone who is in this room who does not know you. May today be the day that they get saved. Father, we lift up anyone in this room who does not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit up on them to accomplish the work that you have graced them and called them to. And Lord, we lift up anyone in this church who is just a visitor, but you know you've called them and they know you've called them to this place. Speak to all three of those folks' heart that fall into those categories, those three categories. Speak to their hearts, Father. And I pray that if there be anyone in this place and that's you, then come down to the front. Let us minister to you. Let us welcome you to this church. Let us pray for you. So whatever it is, if it's I need to be saved or uh, I need to baptize in the Holy Spirit or I want to join this church, any one of those three things, if there be anybody in here, come on down to the front. Now, here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do. We're going to raise our heads and stand to our feet. I want you to minister to those who are around you. Like I said, we're family, you know, so make sure there's nobody who fits those categories because sometimes, you know, it's like, man, I want to go down there, but I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. But if they're good to go, then praise God. But let's go ahead and minister to the person who's left, right, front, behind, and ask them if they need prayer on any one of those things. I'm 
You good? Raise your thumbs. <laughs> Amen. Well, let's give God a hand clap of praise for all of that. Amen. So, man, we're going to continue in this word. Uh, how many of you guys are getting blessed week after week after week and you're going home and you're seeing this stuff and you're applying this stuff? That's what you want to do, man, and don't miss a week. Not because I just want to see your beautiful face, but what God is doing right now, I think this is like part seven of this thing. And, I, and I, every time I try to get lower in my little notes, he just stops me and sticks me right on this one point. And he's like, hang out right there. And every week I walk out, y'all are like, that was for me, that was for me, that was for me. So, so, so don't, it's, yeah, we got the feed and thank you guys who are on the feed, but that's like for our folks in Iowa who are watching. Uh, there's some people that get on every single week and they write stuff on there and, and that's, that's an outreach tool. But if you're able, get here. Barry, Barry and Hurricane, whoever, and Tropical, whatever, they, they, we already spoke to that thing. That's why I didn't even make it as a hurricane. We spoke to that thing and said, no. This ain't going to be another Katrina, and it ain't going to be another that. And, and you look, it's blue sky out there right now. And some people, I don't know, you know, it might get, it might snow. You better walk in your authority. Oh, I got word to get to. Amen. So I know y'all got somewhere else to be, so let's go ahead and uh, 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 go and pray before the Lord. Father, we receive everything. And right now as we leave this place, we go in your grace now unto him who is able to keep us from falling. He's the one that raised us up. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power. He's the one that made us and presents us right with you, God. His name is Jesus, and we thank you for him. And we receive it, and we go our way in grace, in truth, in your word. It's in your name we pray, and thank you for it. Amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. You are dismissed.